The Tell It Abs It Is podcast is sponsored by DraftKings Sportsbook. The first Sunday of the NFL season is here, and the excitement continues with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. DraftKings is giving all new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Bet just $1 on any football game this weekend and receive $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what, with no strings attached. That's right, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new customers $200 in free bets instantly when they bet at least $1 on any football game this weekend for week one of the NFL. And best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top of the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any week one game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or an Indiana 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I am your host, as always, Griffin Youngs. Happy Labor Day. Hope you have enjoyed your long weekend to this point. And also, something I didn't mention on the last episode, happy September. The Avalanche play hockey games this month. Yes, they are preseason games, but at the time I am recording this and the time that you are hearing this, which probably on Monday, the Avalanche have a, a preseason game in 22 days, and training camps will be opening much sooner than that. We are closer to the season than you think, and we have had some nice little appetizers to get us ready for the season. A once-in-a-blue-moon occurrence, an offer sheet going unmatched, still plenty of of RFAs have been unsigned, plenty of drama left to go on there. You know, this has to be the best offseason ever. Like, just from an NHL fan perspective, this is easily the best offseason I've ever seen. Just the the, like the lull between moves was like a couple weeks, and even then, I, I think we needed that. I really think we needed a couple weeks to just not talk about hockey, because I was, I, was I was also just thinking the other day that we thought last season was exhausting, well, we haven't tried to have Olympics in the middle of a season in a, a long time. And we're also welcoming in a, a new team this year. And we're also having a full 82-game season where things are going back to some semblance of normal, if you want to call it that. Not totally normal, but normal enough that we can call it normal, I suppose, but... 
regardless, the deal for today's episode is we're not going to be continuing the, the Central Division rundown. That will be continuing next week. I reached out to a bunch of people to try to line one up for this episode, and just the scheduling just didn't work out for it. So you're going to have to be stuck with me, then just me, for another episode. But the good thing is we still have plenty to talk about around the NHL, and even to an extent with the Avs, as we inch closer and closer to the beginning of the season. And the biggest news is the NHL is going back to the Olympics. It is a, a tentative agreement, but the plan for now is in February, the NHL will be participating in the Olympics. And I imagine there's going to be a, a, at least a couple Avalanche players going to the Olympics. I mean, we're excited about the Olympics now, but I think once we get three games in, we're all just going to be like, oh, Canada's just going to win the whole thing. Like, oh, okay, yeah, their center depth is uh, McDavid, McKinnon, and Crosby, just that just as a one, two, three, and also all the other ridiculous players that they have. Yeah, that I think that's going to end up getting less exciting the more we get into the terms. The games that are going to be more exciting are the games that don't involve Canada, like Sweden and the United States. That'll that'll probably end up being a little more fun. And actually, they have the they already announced the groups, didn't they? I totally forgot about that. Yeah, so. Canada, USA, Germany, and China will be in Group A. Group B, Russia, or the Russian Olympic Committee. I guess that's different. The Czech Republic, Switzerland, and Denmark. Group C, Finland, Sweden, Slovakia, and Latvia. So you're going to have Canada, USA. Canada's gonna win because can't i mean the usa is not even gonna have eichel he's not get he hasn't gotten his surgery yet and if even if even if he gets it like now he's probably not gonna be available for the olympics so they 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 want canada and usa to go through germany is a, a maybe upset usa kind of team but all of them are gonna beat up very badly on china which will be very funny to watch russia the czech Switzerland and Denmark, Russia's going to win that group. Uh, I don't see really Switzerland or Denmark doing a ton, and Czech will probably get through there. Finland, Sweden are the two that are going to come out of Group C. Slovakia and Latvia are pretty much just father. Fa fodder. God, I can't speak today. And as for the Avs in terms of who's going to the Olympics, I mean, pretty much all of their top guys are going to go. McKinnon's going to be a big guy for Canada. Landeskog will at least be an alternate captain for Switzerland. Rantanen is going to be a big part of Finland. Makar is definitely going for Canada. I would be shocked if Devontae doesn't go either. I mean, he, you are you have built-in chemistry with Makar and Taze as a pairing already. I don't see how that wouldn't work for them. I mean, it might be a little bit of a stretch. There are a lot of good Canadian defensemen, but Taze is really good, man. You got to give him a shot. And Burakovsky, I think, might make Team Sweet. I mean, looking at the Swedish team, it's honestly not as strong as I thought it would be. Burakovsky, I think, is definitely going to make Team Sweden. And don't know how important he'll be, but I think he'll make it. Probably in more of a third-line role for them. But uh, as for everybody else, mm, Kadri, no. Obviously, I don't really see anyone else. Going Gerard, 
I don't think they'll pick him. And after that, not really. If if Kemper is good this season, I could see him being like a a depth option for Canada. But outside of that, obviously McKinnon, Landeskog, Rantanen, Burakovsky, Taze, and Makar will be the guys that go for the Abs. And speaking of the the schedule, I I always forget how many games we're gonna play in February because this is built in. So. February 1st, we play Arizona. Blech, that doesn't even count as a game. And then there is not another Avs game until the 25th when we play Winnipeg. So we have 24 days off between games to go to the Olympics. And you know, it's this is not a risk-free thing. I mean, this is the Olympics. Players care a lot about this. The NHL and even the NHLPA, from what I've heard, has been kind of hesitant about sending them through to this because of the risk of injury and just the risk of exhaustion like this this could substantially interrupt the season but the players wanted this badly and this is a great I mean the, the Olympics is probably the best marketing that the NHL gets ever so they should be more about this than they usually are it really shouldn't have been this much of a fight they should have gone last time can we have the conversation about moving hockey to the summer olympics i know that sounds absolutely bizarre but hear me out all right hockey is an indoor sport yes it's played on ice and you know people aren't going to associate hockey with the summer olympics but like wouldn't it just make everything so much easier for the nhl and to an extent probably the khl too and all the other major hockey leagues to have the olympics in the off season like p- players already go to like the world championships after they're knocked out of the the playoffs and the stanley cup is handed out in june most of the time like when it gets hot and when it's in the summer so like you'd have to just remarket it and rebrand it and but like it's better than having the season interrupted in the middle of february i mean every four years i guess like you just live with it when it rolls around, and we haven't been since, what, 2014? And, I mean, it's it's dumb they didn't go in 2018. It's the best marketing the NHL gets every single year. I mean, TJ Oshie against Russia with the, the shootout against Bobrovsky, I mean, he skyrocketed. Like, everyone knew TJ Oshie, even people who weren't hockey fans for like 15 minutes everyone knew who tj oshi was because everyone wanted to watch usa play russia in the olympics because even people that don't watch sports know the miracle on ice they know usa russia rivalry like they know that's a thing and people want to watch that like that it's the best marketing that the nhl gets and just oshi has always been a great example of that he's always been the guy the shootout guy like captain america beat russia and it's good that we're going to get a guaranteed Canada-USA. That's that's probably going to be the highest rated hockey game in probably the last decade or so. It's going gonna, it's gonna to beat out any NHL game that's ever been on. I mean, when, what even is the highest rated NHL game over the last couple years? It's probably a Stanley Cup final game. Was it like Caps-Vegas game five or something from what I remember? Or it had to have been a game seven, right? It might have been the Blues and Bruins. I don't know if I could even find a way to find this while I filibuster and talk. But 
it might have been the Blues and Bruins from what I just because Stanley Cup final game seven and or it could have been Vancouver and Boston that was a game seven but that had a Canadian team so I don't know how well the how well that would have gone over I mean I don't know what else it could have been so if I just quickly look that up, this is very good broadcasting, by the way. So, okay, it was the Blues and Bruins was the most watched NHL game since 1994. Wow. I mean, that was a damn good series. And I, this also answers my question. Canada against Team USA for the, the gold medal in 2010 was the most watched hockey game in the United States in 30 years with an average viewership of 276 million people in the United States alone, making it the most watched hockey broadcast since U.S. beat Finland to win gold at the 1980 Olympics. And I'm a little surprised Blues Bruins Game 7 is the, the highest rated game because I, I really would have thought that there would have been a higher one than that somewhere along. What was that? Okay, so that was... 8.723 million. Is there anything else that comes close? Okay, so the game seven of Boston Vancouver in 2011 was 8.5. And there's some 8.3s, 8.2s, game sixes and such. Man, the, the recent Stanley Cup finals have been absolutely brutal. I mean, in the bubble, there was a certain, like a Man, there was a 1.145 million for Game 3. I mean, if you put a gun to my head, I could not tell you a single detail about that game. And I'm usually pretty good at remembering playoff details, but I barely remember anything about the Tampa-Dallas series. But the, the Olympics, getting back to my point before I get too sidetracked like I normally do, the Olympics is going to be a great thing for the NHL. They should have gone in 2018. It's the best way to market the game. It's going to bring eyes to the sport and to all these new players. Like, I bet there are people that don't know who Connor McDavid is. There are people who don't know who Nathan McKinnon is. Like, casual sports fans watch the Olympics. And hockey always has a good reputation as a fun Olympic sport to watch. People acknowledge that hockey is fun to watch, but for some reason, it's only ever acknowledged at the Olympics. It's really weird that people love Olympic hockey. Casual sports fans love Olympic hockey. They love watching Team USA, and they acknowledge how fun it is, and every time the Olympics come around, I mean, granted, it's been eight years, but I remember all the conversation around that time when the USA played Russia was, wow, hockey's such a fun sport. Wow, what a great game to watch. And then they just don't watch the NHL. I mean, I bet a lot of more people watched the NHL that season after the Olympics. I mean, you look at the, the Stanley Cup final ratings for that year. I'm sure that they would be a little higher than they normally would be. Yeah, I mean, the the Kings and the Reign, I mean, those are two big market teams. I mean, well, it's also going up against the 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 Blackhawks and Bruins series from the year prior, which got pretty good attention from what I, I mean. That, that's two straight years of two big market teams meeting in the finals, a, a year removed from the, the Kings and Devils meeting in the final. That drew horribly. Was that the, is that the least viewed final outside of Tampa, Dallas, in the bubble. It looks like it. That was a brutal, brutal series to sell. But yeah, the Olympics are going to be a lot of fun. The Avs are going to be well represented. And 
who knows, maybe the Avs will have some more eyes on them after the Olympics come and go. I mean, it'll be good for just, even for more hardcore fans, Miko Rantanen doesn't get enough love. And fi- Finland as a hockey country, we still acknowledge how good they are, but they're still, I'd say, underrated when it comes to the hockey prowess. Everyone talks about Canada and Russia and USA and even Sweden to an extent, but Finland has been very very good at international play the last several years, whether it comes to the World Juniors, the World Championships. I've got a gut feeling that Finland is going to do some damage at these Olympics. And while while Canada's obviously going to win, I mean, you, if Canada doesn't win, that's got to be one of the biggest upsets of all time. I mean, they've got literally a 1-2-3 at center of McDavid, McKinnon, and Crosby. That is absolutely insane. That's not even fair and not even bringing up all the wingers. I can't even begin to list the wingers without, like, actually looking at a list because, like, there's just... They have so many of them. There's no way I could put a comprehensive list together off the top of my head. Just the the one, two, three of them alone is going to be enough. I mean, I'm Marner, Marshan, Bergeron... Mark Stone's always a guy that comes to head. Is Bra- Braden Point's Canadian, right? Like that's that's their fourth line center, Matt Barzell. Like they're they're ridiculous. They're gonna be completely loaded from top to bottom. It literally is just not even gonna matter as to who who else they're gonna be playing at that point. It literally is not going to matter at all. They're going to win. They're gonna win the whole thing. The other matchups are gonna be a lot more fun. It's gonna be a race for basically who's gonna get silver and who's gonna get bronze. You don't have that one, two, three at center and lose. Especially not to the like the United States in the the round robin tournament that's gonna be happening. They're not like and they're not gonna lose to China. Like if Canada loses to China, that would be a bigger upset than the miracle on ice, probably like by a thousand. That wouldn't that would not even be close in terms of upsets because at least like the the United States players at that point like played college hockey and were good. The Chinese team is not. I think they have Spencer Fu, and the only time I ever heard of Spencer Fu was like the Flames signed him at one point and he was like somewhat of a big deal for like two minutes and then he just never played an NHL game. He's like their best. He's the only name I recognized on that roster like at all. So we'll see what China does matched up with Canada and the United States in the same group. And then you've got Germany, who's, I mean, they're not a joke, but they're not going to beat Canada. I mean, they could possibly beat the USA, depending on how well they put together their team. But again, we'll see all that in due time. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a busy, busy season. We're going to be going through the motions probably at a certain point. And the, another thing I remembered about the season... We're doing the All-Star game, right? Why the hell are we doing that? Why would we do the All-Star game this season? No one wants that. Like, the Olympics is the All-Star game. Like, why do we need that this year? Why do we need a week's break for the All-Star game that Ovechkin and probably other players are going to... Every player who's going to go to the Olympics is going to skip that. Why in their right mind would they ever risk a meaningless injury at a meaningless game... And or just not get rest w- before they're about to go to the Olympics for the first time in eight years. Why would anybody do that? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever why they would do it. I don't even know where it is. It's in Vegas, right? Who cares? 
Vegas is getting an all-star game. Whoopee, we give everything else to them. Why not an all-star game at this point, too? But, oh my god, it's even worse than I thought. So they're having the break, like, at the same time. So we're having the all-star break mixed in with the Olympic break. The all-star weekend is on February 4th. And they're going to go to the Olympics basically from Vegas. Why would any player ever do... Any player who's going to the Olympics is going to turn that down. What? Why would anyone, why would anyone of them do that? Who designed this? I, I was kidding. That's actually... A, that's the next sentence of what I'm looking at. Olympians who attend All-Star Weekend will leave directly from Las Vegas that Sunday for travel to Beijing. Who came up with this this is so stupid why would anybody do this why are we having an all-star game why would why are we wasting everybody's time with that right now have it next year tell vegas to wait a goddamn year for once oh my god that is such a horrible idea i thought i thought it was like in january i did not realize that they were going to be going on back to back that is just very poor you're asking for something to go wrong at that point one player who's going to the olympics somehow does something that stops him from going that is a disaster just wait it's just poor planning who who's gonna give a shit about the all-star game no one cares about the all-star games outside of the actual local market it draws horribly hockey fans themselves hate it like it's only it's not even fun to go to does anyone enjoy going to an all-star game? I've never heard, like, stories from the city that hosts the all-star game talking about, wow, that was a ton of fun. It's horrible to watch on TV when you have other things to do. I can't imagine it would be much better going and watching a, an exhibition three-on-three game for three hours. Like, the only interesting thing to do is root for the guys on your teams that are going to make the all-star game. Like... Oh my god, that just sounds like an absolute pain. I can't believe that's actually what they're going to do here. But moving on from the Olympics and the, the All-Star game to an extent, we've had a rare, rare occurrence in the NHL. A once-in-a-blue-moon kind of occurrence, and that is not only the offer sheet that we discussed on the last episode, but the fact that the offer sheet has now gone un matched for the first time i believe since 2007 an offer sheet goes unmatched in the nhl which leaves yasperi kokaniemi going to the carolina hurricanes for a first and a third round pick to the montreal canadians and honestly i thought we would never see the day where an offer sheet actually worked in the nhl the the fact that we saw an offer sheet at all was interesting enough to me. I mean, we haven't we hadn't truly seen an offer sheet since Ryan O'Reilly. Like the the Aho offer sheet was horrible. That was a terrible attempt by the Canadians to actually get Aho. Aho only signed that offer sheet because that's what he wanted from the Hurricanes, knowing full well that they were going to match it. This one was interesting from day one. And it, I, it made sense right away for the Canadians to not match this. And they go out immediately right after they announce they're not matching it and acquire Christian Dvorak from the 
Arizona Coyotes in exchange for a first and a second round pick in 2024. And the first, this was this was a little confusing to read, but the first round pick is that Arizona gets the better of Montreal slash Carolina's first round pick. But if either or both of them are top 10, then Arizona gets the worse of the picks. So if, so if, uh, I'm st- it's it's like a tongue twister trying to read it. But basically, if either Montreal or Carolina finishes with a top 10 pick, Montreal keeps that pick and transfers the other one. But if they're both outside of the top 10, like let's say it's 12 and 20, then Arizona gets the 12th overall pick. But if they're 7 and 8, Arizona would get the 8th, which is, this was very confusing to read the first time, but it made sense eventually. And looking at Arizona and their draft next year, they have their own first, which has a solid shot at being first overall, the higher slash whatever that ends up being of the Habs slash Hurricanes pick, the Avalanche's first round pick, which we are hoping will be 32nd, and then they have five second round picks. So they have eight picks in the first two rounds of the draft. And then weirdly enough, in 2024, I forgot that they did this. They have two, they have three second round picks in 2024. And if Colorado wins the Stanley Cup this year, and Kemper plays in half the playoff games, which we're hoping that he will and that we will, then they get our 2024 third round pick. I I talked about this with the the, the sporty with Corey and Richie. They, Arizona's done a damn good job this offseason at just getting pieces and building their team or the future of their team with picks. I mean, this is a good draft we have coming up, much better than the one we just had, and they have eight picks in the first two rounds, which is absolutely crazy. And they still have the entire season and trade deadline for them to get even more. It's absolutely crazy that they've already amassed this many. I mean, they've got $11 million in cap space left. They can take on more bad contracts and just get more picks. And they still have, they're still going to trade Kessel more likely. It's definitely not going to be a first. I mean, maybe a late second or a third round pick for him. Other guys they can move. I mean, Travis Boyd is not nothing. He could get something. Ryan Dezingle, is pro- they probably signed him with the intention of getting like a third or a fourth for him. And they, like, they've got guys that they can trade. Ilya Labushkin could be someone that they move. Like, there's, they're still going to be getting more picks at the trade deadline this year. They're, they're going to own the entire first two rounds of the draft by the time the actual draft rolls around. But Dvorak goes to Montreal. And, I mean, it's fine, I guess. I mean, Dvorak is he's good. He's a solid player. He's 25, locked up on under contract for the next four seasons, including this one. And he'll probably be pretty good as long as Montreal puts him with some solid wingers. And it seems like the plan might be to stick him with Hoffman and Gallagher or Anderson. And man, Montreal, I think they're going to have a rough season. Price is going to be out for a while, and Weber's going to be out, and they're in the Atlantic, which is right now the best division in hockey. It is 
four powerhouse teams all the way at the top. Montreal is going to have an uphill battle to get back in there. Ben, as for Carolina, God bless them. They actually pulled the damn thing off. They signed an offer sheet and it actually fucking worked for once. I, I can't say enough. I legitimately never thought we would see the day. I thought offer sheets were dead and buried and that we would never actually see one happen. Yeah, and I was right. 2007, Dustin Penner was the last offer sheet that was not matched when he got offer sheeted by the Oilers from the Ducks. And there had been a couple since then, like we talked about last episode, Bacchus, Steve Bernier, Nicholas Jalmerson, Shea Weber, and who could forget the Ryan O'Reilly one. And then with Ajo, that one was barely even an offer sheet at all. I ba- I did hardly counted that, honestly. But the six-year gap between offer sheets. And then this one with Kakeni Yemi, just this was an interesting one from start to finish for the Canadians and the Hurricanes. And we'll see what happens with Kakeni Yemi in Carolina. And it seems like the plan is to keep him on the wing for right now, which is kind of what Montreal should have done with him to begin with. And like, I know the story is he deserved to make the team out of training camp in his rookie season, but did they have to start him at center right away? It just seemed like they always put him in a sink or swim situation. And he's still only 21 years old and like Montreal fan base as ruthless as they are was already calling the poor kid a bust, like right out of the gate. Like they never gave him a shot to even be like anything before, like he's still 21 he's already has what three seasons under his belt in the NHL and yeah he had to bounce around between the AHL for a little bit but the guy like he's got some insane shooting percentages in the playoffs but he's scored some clutch goals for them I mean he scored the game six winner against Toronto in the first round and like there's definitely something there with him I don't think he's going to be like a superstar or anything they definitely reached at third overall for him in 2018, they could have just drafted Brady Kachuk or Philip Zadina or Quinn Hughes. Like, I, Kakaniemi was definitely still a reach at third overall. But now they're just, they're going to have to live with that and hope that Dvorak is a much more finished product that can take them further than Kakaniemi can. Because I think Kakaniemi is going to be good in Carolina. And I hope that this sparks offer sheets down the line because it fucking needs to offer sheets like i wrote the article about this like a week ago they need to start becoming a thing it makes the offseason so much more interesting it makes gms actually need to be careful and do their jobs properly so that they don't have their young players taken away from them or that they don't just have to put themselves in a bad cap situation like elias Pettersson right now how has no one offer sheeted elias Pettersson? he's still available and it is September. We are getting into training camp at this point. No one, no one wants to get throw a little bit of money at him. It seems like Vancouver actually tried to protect themselves against that. But like, a, look at some of these teams. Like Anaheim doesn't want to take a shot at Pedersen. Like just as an example, a team that has cap space or like a rival team to Vancouver. You don't want to throw an offer sheet their way and try to screw them over in the future with their superstar player. I mean, superstar players aren't the best offer sheet candidates. If you really want to screw over a team, you offer sheet a guy like... I mean, the the, the quintessential example was always Eric Chernak with Tampa Bay. I mean, Tampa Bay got off so easy that they didn't get any offer sheets for Point 
or Chernak or Sergachev during their runs to the cup. That That's ridiculous that they didn't get offer sheeted at all at any point. But like a guy like Robert Thomas in St. Louis, I think he's offer sheet eligible at least, but like that's a guy, like St. Louis doesn't have a ton of cap space. They've got a million and a half to re-sign him. And even, like it's probably, he's probably going to make a little more than that, but you offer sheet him at like, Five million for one year or two years, like you, you give him what he's looking for as an RFA, maybe even a little more. You convince him to sign. St. Louis has to move out players or make moves to, to match it. And if they don't, you've just gotten a really solid young player who can play center and has real solid chance to be a top six player in the NHL. And you had to give up a few picks to get him, but. Ultimately, like a player like that could be worth it down the line. Like it's just if you're not looking at utilizing offer sheets when you can, you're not doing your job as a general manager. You're not using all of the tools at your disposal to make your team better. And like the the other one that's come up now is well, is Brady Kachuk gonna get offer sheeted now? Because Ottawa's poor. I don't see that happening. Dalene, I don't see any price that Buffalo would be unwilling to pay to keep Dalene, even if he hasn't been as advertised so far. He's still like the, the cornerstone of their defense for now. So we'll see what happens in the next year with them. I want to see who's going to be RFA next year and if that could be anything at all to watch. But you've got Line, Matthew Kachuk, Kakaniemi again, Besser, Fiala, Dubois, McAvoy, Dubalik, DeBrusque, Kapanen. Olafson, Strom, McCann, McCann's going to be an RFA. Wait, what? How is Jared McCann going to be an RFA after next season? That does He's only 25. Jared McCann is 25? I feel like this guy's been young forever. I feel like he's just always... I always hear his name. Maybe it's because he's been traded like four times, but... I just always think that he's older than he is just because he's always somehow found his way into news cycles. But apparently, Jared McCann, 26 years old, is somehow still going to be an RFA for the Seattle Kraken. But this is going to be a solid class. I mean, like I was saying, you want to screw over a team and make their cap situation unmanageable? Like, go to Dennis Garyanov and Dallas next season if they don't have a deal done and throw an offer sheet his way. And then maybe you can land Garyanov, like, it's a solid idea, and GMs, they're not do they're not doing the best to the, of their ability if they're not offer sheeting some guys. Like there should be like maybe not one every season, but like maybe one every other year or something. Like not one every six years, and then the other one after that is just based purely out of revenge. Like that, that just doesn't make any sense, honestly. So it it happened once in a blue moon. It happened. It's been. 14 years but an offer sheet finally worked in the NHL and the one like the one year offer sheet is a good idea if you're willing to pay the picks it's a good idea I mean Carolina could be very good next year and they also could not be very good depending on their goaltending I mean we'll, we'll have a whole conversation about Carolina and previews and everything once we get a little closer to the season but Carolina could be pretty good next year, and that draft pick could be like in the high 20s at that point. And if Kakaniemi is good for them this year and years down the line, that's a price that they'd be plenty happy to pay. 
like a first and a third, and they, they and they have another third round pick this year. It's Chicago's third round pick that they got for just trading back a year, so they're not even going to feel that anyway. They're just not going to have their first this year, and they'll they'll take that for that. Basically, Kakaniemi is their pick this year. It's still 21 years old. He has three years of development under his belt in Montreal already. Like. That basically is their draft pick this year. They're betting on a 21-year-old. I mean, Kakaniemi is another guy that seems older because he came into the NHL when he was 18 years old, which to me is still crazy that players can come into the league at 18 and be expected to perform. Like, they're not even old enough to drink yet. They just got their driver's license, and they're supposed to just march into the NHL and perform right away if they even have a driver's license at that point. They're hockey players. They don't have time to, like, go to driving school, like, it's still crazy to me that 18 is the draft age in the NHL. But Carolina, I like it for them, especially if Kakaniemi has more to give for for Montreal. I mean, it's not a good look to have a player stolen from you in an offer sheet. And yeah, they turned around and got Dvorak from Arizona. We'll see how well the fit works there. He's under contract for four years. They could have done worse. And they can keep the third round pick that they got this year for a draft that's going to be in Montreal. So we'll see how it works out for them. I'm Montreal is just might be okay this year. They're going to be still a team to take seriously, but they've got four killers ahead of them in the Atlantic with Tampa, Toronto, Boston, and Florida. And that leaves only one playoff spot in the wild card. And the Metro itself is going to be a war between probably like six teams. So I just, I don't see how Montreal gets into the playoffs. And yes, I know I went, they went to the final and everything, but they struggled in the Canadian division last year in the regular season. I'm not, I don't think they're too much looking forward to what's going to happen to them when they play against teams that are not named the Vancouver Canucks and Ottawa Senators. So We'll see how that works out for them. I think Kakaniemi is probably much going to be much happier in a market like Carolina than Montreal. I mean, he didn't ask to get drafted third overall by Montreal, and he got ripped apart all the same for it, nevertheless, even though like, he has no control over that. Leave the 18-year-old kid alone, please. But that's pretty much it for the news cycle that's been going on in the NHL as of late. It's not much happening with the Avs on the NHL front outside of the the rookie tournament that Byram and Newhook and a lot of their prospects are going to be playing in. We'll see how that shakes out over the next little while. If anything noteworthy comes up with it, I will bring it up on here. But uh, unfortunately, we couldn't do the Central Division rundown today. Like I said earlier, schedules just didn't work out. They will still be a thing in the coming weeks. I'll see if I can work something out for Wednesday if I want to break that pattern. But more likely than not, I'll keep it for the the Monday episodes and keep the Thursday episode of just me. But we'll see how that works out. Kind of just go where the wind takes me at that point. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, if you enjoyed the show, be sure to leave a five-star rating wherever you get your podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. If you leave a nice rating, it really helps the show out and helps us grow. So I really would appreciate it. But other than that, thank you so much for tuning in. I have been your host, Griffin Youngs, and I will catch you all next time. Hope you enjoyed your Labor Day and enjoy the rest of your week.